think about it this way. If you truly believe that you are not 100% responsible for your life, what in the world do you think is actually going to make you do those necessary actions and become that person to get to where you want to be? So once you have and adopt that new belief of I am 100% responsible for my life, then this new wave of empowerment comes over you and make you realize that you're exactly where you need to be in this exact moment to create the life of your dreams. And it's possible. And everything you want is possible. Hey, it's Jamie Scrimger. When I became a stepmom, I quickly realized that while moms are encouraged to keep it real, there's a big double standard when it comes to stepmoms. So I decided to start the conversation myself. Thriving as a stepmom doesn't just come from conversations about being a stepmom, though. Here, we dive into marriage, relationships, personal growth, and more. My mission? Inspire you to live a kick-ass life while bringing you along as I create my own. This is the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. Mimi Bouchard is on the show today. Now, if you're not familiar with Mimi, I, well, I heard about her on the Blonde Files podcast, which is one of my go-to shows. And through her episode, I learned about her story, which is super inspiring, and about her superhuman app, which is a meditation app that has literally changed the way that I meditate and how I feel about meditating. You know, meditating has been something that I have struggled with for so long. I want to be really good at it. I want to be able to sit there. I want to be able to shut my brain off. I want to be able to do all the things. But when I have tons of stuff going on in my head, I find it really hard to sit still. It does not make me feel less stressed. It actually makes me feel more stressed because I want to just go and get things done. But I also want to reap the benefits of mindset and calming your mind and controlling your thoughts and, you know, all of the good stuff that come from meditating. Now, Mimi has created the Superhuman app, which still has sitting meditations if that's your jam, but it also has meditations that you can do while you're walking or cleaning or getting ready in the morning or driving or puttering around your house. And she also has these little quick pep talks for if you just need a little bit of an energy shift. It is truly my go-to for when I feel overwhelmed or when I just get into a negative headspace or I need to improve my energy. Guys, this is not sponsored. Mimi is not sponsoring this episode. I literally just am obsessed with her app. And I really am inspired by her story, which is why I wanted her to come on the show. I love her mindset. I love how she has transformed her life. This chick is goals, and I am pumped to share this episode with you. So let's dive in. Mimi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. Super excited for this conversation. Yeah, I am so excited too. I, you know, I was telling you when we were chatting before, you have changed the way I meditate and it has been so life-changing for me. And so when I heard about you and I subscribed to your app, which we'll talk a lot about later in the interview, I was like, I have to talk to this girl, especially you're from Toronto. You know, we're close. I'm just outside Stratford. Oh, amazing. A fellow Canadian. And I'm so grateful that you've loved the superhuman meditations. It means the world to me. And yeah, I can't wait to chat. For sure. Okay. So we'll leave that to the end, but I want to start by just hearing a little bit about who you were before, you know, this version of you, because you have been through a lot of transformation in your life and have really you know, taken such accountability for who you are and how you're going to show up and been through such a transformation. So I would love to hear about the version of you before you decided that there needed to be some change. Right. It's a great starting point. So back just over a decade ago, it sounds crazy, but I was in my late teens and I was feeling very lost and I had this deep knowing inside of me that there was more meant for me in this world. And I believe everyone has that inside of them. We're unlimited beings. And I couldn't get rid of that little voice. And at that time, I was drinking a lot. I was partying a lot. I was doing a lot of drugs. I was just kind of this rebellious teenager. And I had simply just, I guess, suppressed that voice for a really long time. 
And I didn't love myself. I had a lot of self-image issues. I had eating disorders. I had, you know, even self-harm stuff going on. And I was in a really dark place in my teen years. So I went through a lot of transformation young, but I think it's because I hit rock bottom quite young. And around that time, I was 17, 18 years old, and my mom gave me my first personal growth book. And back then, personal growth wasn't as cool as it is now. It was a little bit more cliche. And this book my mom gave me had this like old white guy on the cover with his thumb up, you know, like it was just a, not a very cool. Was it like a Jack Canfield book? It was literally Jack Canfield's book, The Success Principles. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think my mom gave me the same one. <laughs> it was literally The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. That's so funny how you just yeah. clocked that. Yeah, but I read it and it was like right place, right time. And I just felt that fire inside of me really grow. And I just thought to myself, you know what, I need to go try to make this life happen. You know, I really want something bigger. And I just had this hunger kind of ignite inside of me. And so I decided to move across the country with barely any savings. And I moved to London, England, and I just tried to kind of reinvent myself. And it was a crazy journey. But just to kind of paint a picture of who I was before, I definitely was a victim to my circumstance. I was not taking responsibility for my life. I was not surrounding myself with a great community or group of people. I was influenced a lot by going out, doing drugs, hating myself, eating like crap, you know, just doing kind of what I thought I was supposed to be doing as a teenager, right? But it really affected me in a strong way. And I simply just decided to change my habits. And it was not a linear process from that decision point onwards. And there were so many ups and downs. There are moments of me going back to that partying phase. When I first moved to London, there are moments of me, you know, going back to those bad disordered eating habits and hating myself. And then there were moments of clarity and moments of feeling like I'm making so much progress. And then there are moments of falling back down. And it was just such a crazy journey of personal development for me and finding myself and figuring out who I really am. And then now I can safely say that really over the past probably three, four years, I've just completely stepped into who I truly am meant to be on this planet in this world. And I feel better than ever. I've transformed every aspect of my life from my body and my health, my relationship to my body, to my relationships with people in my life, to my finances. That's a very easy one to talk about because the change was so dramatic and you can really put a number to it. Back then I didn't have any money. I remember, you know, when I was living in London at the beginning, I had like $8 in my bank account to my name at one point, working like five different jobs, trying just to make money to make ends meet. My parents never gave me a penny since I left the house and they weren't incredibly abundant themselves. So I really had to pave my own path. And so I transformed financially a huge amount. And when I look back, I always had this deep feeling inside of me that there was something bigger out there. And as I now am writing my book and talking to people every day about this kind of thing, I've come to the conclusion that everyone has that little feeling inside of them. And it's really the ones that act on it that end up creating that kind of life. So my mission and my passion now owning Superhuman, having my own personal brand career and you know having everything that I have going on in my life, my mission is really just to have people find that spark inside of them and act on it and become who they've always been meant to be. That's my number one thing. Everything I do comes down to that from my tech company to my podcast to the book that I'm writing to everything. It always comes down to helping people really act on that tiny little intuitive feeling inside of them. And everything that I learned up to this point really helped that get uncovered from me. And I feel like looking back, it actually happened really quickly. And I found a lot of the tools that helped me get there and I've shared them and now they've helped tens of thousands of people as well. So that's kind of a high level story mm -hmm. elevator pitch. Yeah, no, I love it. And I'd love to talk about the victim mentality because I think we can all get caught yes. up in that. And, you know, my platform is primarily stepmoms and yes. 
blended families and that kind of stuff. And with that, there comes a lot of almost things that are outside of our control. You know, if we didn't have to deal with the ex or if my husband or partner didn't have to pay so much alimony or child support or the high conflict situations that we're dealing with. And it's not even just stepmom situations, but just in life, we're all just dealt this card, right? We have trauma, we have circumstances that are hard. And I think a lot of us get caught up in that victim mentality, right? Well, it's easy for you because you don't have to deal with that. Or I can't do that because, you know, I had this in my childhood. How do you overcome that victim mentality? Like what advice do you have for people when they're stuck in that instead of kind of owning their power? Because there's like a decision that you make, right? When you're like, I'm done with this life. I'm done with being the victim. I'm done with blaming things that are outside of my control and I'm just going to freaking do it. Yes. And it's hard for people to get over that hurdle, I think. Jamie, you're like so on point with this conversation on victim mentality here. What I've learned is that it's simply understanding the truth. And the truth is that every single one of us is 100% responsible for our own lives. That is the truth. There are so many facts to prove this. And when I had that realization in my late teens, coming from an incredible victim mentality of I'm not where I want to be because of you know, my weight or because I wasn't brought up and raised in a very, very wealthy family or because of this or that, or I'm not good enough because this happened to me or, you know, that victim mentality was the only thing really holding me back. So when I had that big realization, when I read that book and I was also, it was perfect place and time because I was ready to hear it. I probably had heard that notion, that concept years prior, but I likely didn't actually absorb it because I was so deeply in that victim mentality that I was probably defensive hearing it. Mm -hmm. I probably said, well, it's easy for you to say because you're this, or I'd probably look for reasons as to why that person telling me was too privileged or they had it good. So they didn't really know. So it was right place, right time. And I decided to take responsibility for my life and it empowered me to change my life. Because think about it this way. If you truly believe that you are not 100% responsible for your life, what in the world do you think is actually going to make you do those necessary actions and become that person to get to where you want to be, Mm -hmm. right? If you think about it and break it down in that way, if you have a victim mentality, you're naturally going to look for reasons why you're a victim, why things don't work out for you. Your RAS in your brain, your reticular activating system is literally programmed to see what you believe. So if your RAS is programmed in the belief system of I'm a victim, guess what's going to happen? You're going to look for reasons why you're a victim. You're going to try finding reasons anywhere you look and that's going to become your life. And you're never going to achieve everything you've ever wanted because you don't deeply feel like it's actually possible for you or in your control. Mm -hmm. So once you have and adopt that new belief of I am 100% responsible for my life, then this new wave of empowerment comes over you and this new wave of confidence and self-assuredness will come over you and make you realize that you're exactly where you need to be in this exact moment to create the life of your dreams and it's possible and everything you want is possible. So for me back in the day when I really had that life-altering belief change, it was hard at first, but then I started to realize, wait a minute, Imagine if anything was possible. Imagine if I could actually create this life and depend on myself to do so. And everything changed. And that's the fundamental principle in this work with all personal development work and becoming the best version of yourself work, Mm -hmm. taking responsibility for your life. And that's not to say that some people are born into harder situations. That's not to say that there are people that are, quote, luckier than others. Luck exists 100%. I'm not doubting that. But the fact alone is whether or not you were born into a certain family or whether or not you were given opportunities, you still, from a baseline perspective, have the power to create a life that you desire, no matter what your circumstance And that's a belief of mine. I'm not in the business of victimizing people. I actually really dislike when others victimize people because it's not fair. Because when you tell someone, 
these quote facts and you tell people that they should be victims, that just victimizes them more. And if they have that belief system, then it's just the most terrible thing you could do to them because your beliefs create everything. Mm -hmm. And that's just terrible to do. So I'm not in that business and I am here to empower people. And yeah, there's so much I could say on this topic, essentially. Well, let's talk about the RAS for a second, because I think someone who doesn't understand what that is, can you do the example of the cars? Sure. That's such an easy example. Yeah. It's such an easy example. And I literally experienced that with my own car. I have an Audi and it's black with brown seats. I didn't think anyone had it. I thought it was so unique. I was so excited. And then I got the car and everyone had the car. (laughs) But it's because you see the car, right? It's such an easy example. And I'm sure if everyone listening right now could just think of one thing that they've had their attention on or have noticed, they could see it everywhere. So the car example, so your reticular activating system is the filtration system in your brain that essentially dictates what you notice in your conscious mind. Because if we noticed everything that was happening around us at all times, our brains would like explode. There is so much information constantly. I'm sure you're not right now noticing the sounds in the room, the small sounds, maybe the air conditioning is on. I'm sure you're not noticing, you know, how the light is reflecting off that painting over there or how, you know, this is uh, crooked on the desk or, you know, there are all these things constantly that you can focus on. Your RAS is a good thing because it filters out the things that are not important, that are not aligned with the belief system you have and the priorities you have on your mind. And it just filters it out so you could actually focus and notice the things that matter. So a great example is the red car example. This is just a classic example. If you are thinking about buying a red convertible and you're on the highway, you start seeing them everywhere. There are not suddenly more red convertibles. You just started noticing what has always been there. And then if you want to bring this to an example of, you know, maybe something else a little bit more basic, like if you're thinking of buying the Dyson Airwrap and you start seeing it everywhere, you start noticing it on your feed, you start noticing your friends say, oh my goodness, I want the Dyson Airwrap and you start noticing the sales going on for it, like just anything that you want, anything that you are triggering your RAS to see, it reflects back for the bigger things in our lives too. For example, the I am a victim Example, if that's a belief in the forefront of your mind and you, you know, get fired from your job, that's a perfect thing to affirm that belief. Your RAS is going to say, oh, look, there's another reason why I am a victim and bad things happen to me. If you deeply believe I'm not a lucky person, bad things happen to me, I have bad luck, you're going to constantly start noticing these tiny things that other people wouldn't even see as bad, but it's like, oh, you spilt your coffee on your t-shirt, okay. And then you get into this energy and it creates more of that, right? Mm -hmm. The opposite's true as well. If you say to yourself, wow, I'm a lucky person, good things happen to me, you're going to notice When you get that parking spot, you're going to notice when you get that new work opportunity. And guess what? If you have a new work opportunity, you're also going to be more likely to pursue it because you have that confidence and you're thinking to yourself, oh, that's a sign. That person wants to talk to me and interview me. I might as well go for it because good things happen to me. I'm a lucky person. That's why the work of subliminal reprogramming with audio, like the superhuman app is so powerful because it can retrain your brain and teach you new beliefs at this subconscious level. You don't even realize your RAS is getting refiltered and re-triggered to notice new things. If you're listening to an abundance and opportunity, getting ready in the morning meditation and you're doing your makeup in the morning, you're getting ready, you're showering, you're getting dressed for the day and you're just listening to these affirmations, these words that are programming into your subconscious, deep into your subconscious without you even realizing it, even if it's playing in the background, you're going to start seeing these opportunities. You're going to start embodying a slightly more elevated vibration. And those small changes is where everything really starts to change. And it's so easy. It doesn't have to be hard. That's a belief I have. Mm -hmm. My RAS is triggered to believe it doesn't have to be hard. Mm -hmm. This amazing life of my dreams, it's not hard, it's effortless. And oh my gosh, can I tell you all the crazy effortless things that happened to me? And I lived both ways. I lived back in the day with the complete opposite mentality. Bad things would happen to me. I would be 
unhappy and I'd have bad luck and I would not get opportunities. Everything was different back then. And now over the past probably really six years, I've taken on this way of thinking and this way of living and being and everything's changed. The only common denominator here is me (laughs) and how I use my brain. I love that. And, you know, thinking back to stepmoms, a lot of stepmoms maybe struggle with the ex or struggling with their stepkids and all of that. And I know for me, if I get into a bad space with one of my stepkids or if I'm feeling overwhelmed or like, you know, I'm not taking care of myself, I'm just in this space where I'm extra irritable. When you are thinking about your stress, you're going to find more things to be stressed about. So I, I use this example in my membership. It was like, you know, if you are anticipating that you're going to have bad time with one of your stepkids, you are 100% going to be irritated by the way they chew their chicken. You know what I mean? Like you're going to pick up every little piece of anything that they do that could potentially irritate you. Yeah. But if you go into visits or relationships or anything looking for a positive, you're looking for things that you're grateful, things that are going well, yeah. then all of a sudden you start to see more things that are going well. And yeah. I think that's where the power of gratitude comes in too, right? Like it sounds so cheesy, but even just taking, you know, a couple minutes every day to be like, I'm grateful for these five things. Mm-hmm. You start your day in just a more positive energy. I wish the whole like gratitude thing wasn't so overdone because I feel like people don't take it as seriously anymore, Mm -hmm. but it's life-changing. Like I really wish there was maybe a new word for it that didn't sound all like spiritual and woo-woo gratitude. People don't understand the power that that word holds. Mm -hmm. It is so powerful. And that energetic state of being in a gratitude vibration and energy of feeling grateful and feeling like what you have in this moment right now is so incredible. That energy is the perfect energy to be in to receive more, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out like, you know, even in my meditations when I'm recording them, it's like, I'm trying to figure out a new way to say like, feel grateful because people (laughs) don't realize it's so overdone. It's like, feel deeply thankful for everything that you have right now because your old self would have been in awe if they saw everything that you have right now or your old self would have been so proud of you. Your future self is so proud of you in this moment. You know, just changing your perception and getting rid of the I'll be happy when mentality that so many of us hold it's life-changing. It's changed my life. And listen, I still go back to the old self way of thinking and the old self patterns. But when I'm feeling like my best self and I'm really embodying all of these principles, life is completely different. Mm -hmm. It is so much more worth living. And that's why I'm so obsessed with this work because it just connects you to how fragile life is. Imagine going through the rest of your life not feeling this way. Mm -hmm. You would look back with so much regret, so much deep sadness that you didn't live your life to the fullest. So that's ultimately like my biggest why is just that fear of regret and wanting to live this precious life as much as I can. I have been obsessed with mocktails lately and I have a new one that I want to share with you. It is super refreshing. It's called the Grapefruit Mint Refresher. Here's the recipe. A half a cup of water, a cup of ice, two sprigs of mint, and a half stick pack of Element Grapefruit Salt. You know I'm a huge lover of Element, which is a tasty electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar, artificial ingredients, coloring, etc., formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low carb, or paleo diet from professional athletes to everyday moms. It's for everyone. Now, not only am I drinking element before and after workouts, when I need to rehydrate, when I'm traveling and after some wine, I now use it to make my mocktails and cocktails. Seriously, throw in some lime salt with some soda, tequila, lime, and mint and it is also extremely delicious. 100 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Staying hydrated is crucial and a huge priority of mine. Proper hydration isn't just about drinking water, though. It means having adequate water and electrolytes. When you purchase Element from www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash kickassstepmom, Element is giving 
my listeners a free sample pack so that you can try all the flavors and pick your faves. That's www.drinklmnt.com forward slash kickassstepmom to get a free sample pack with your purchase. I talk a lot about my morning routine, but my nighttime routine is just as important. When it's off, I notice a huge difference in the quality of my sleep and how I show up the next day. So here's the deal. I love to go to bed early. When we're done dinner, I'm usually completely off of social. I often delete it off my phone so I'm not distracted and don't have that urge. I'll do some reading with Reese, putter around, light a candle, clean up the kitchen, and just set the vibe for the end of the day. When I get into my bedroom, I plug in my phone across the room because I don't want to be tempted, and I get ready for bed. When I'm done reading my book, I crawl out of bed and turn on the Newcom Deep Sleep Journey. This is what puts me to sleep. The sounds and music is just, oh, I love it so freaking much. Newcom is such a huge part of my daily routine, and many times I use it up to twice a day. What used to be exclusively available to U.S. military, pilots, professional athletes, doctors, and cancer patients, and used to be a $6,000 FDA class three medical device can now be yours through an app. It gives you the power to change your state, manage stress and anxiety, focus, and find your flow. Backed by over 33 years of clinically proven patent neuroscience, this technology is so easy to use and so powerful. At night, I use the deep sleep journey. And during the day, if I need a reset, I use one of their daytime journeys. It just helps me refocus, manage my anxiety, find my flow, relax. And really, it's just everything I need to help me show up as my best. If you want to neutralize stress, restore sleep, and reach peak performance, you have to check this out. And Newcom has given a special offer to listeners of the podcast. So just head to www.newcom.com. That's N-U-C-A-L-M.com and use the code Jamie10 for 10% off. That's www.nucalm.com and use the code Jamie10 for 10% off. You're going to freaking love it. I would like to go back to you going to London with no money. Because I went to Kenya with no money. And I do think you either have this or you don't. And I've always just had this belief, everything will be fine. I'll figure it out. It doesn't matter that I don't have any money. Or even if I really want something, I'm always like, I'll just buy it and I'll figure it out later. Do you have that mindset? Like you were just going to go and make, make it happen and everything will be fine. Like that's a huge risk to just like go across the world basically and go start over mm-hmm. and it's like this inherent belief that it'll be fine. This is what I got to do. This is such an important question because when you were just asking that, my immediate thought was that's not necessarily an amazing mentality to have on one end of the spectrum. And I did have that mentality, by the way, but I am also so obsessed with financial literacy and like not overspending and never going into debt. And I'm very interested in finances and I've never gone into debt in my life. I never even had a credit card, you know, like until four or five years ago. I just like never did. And I didn't even know that much about money back then. And I didn't get a credit card because I didn't want to go into debt. But then I also didn't get a credit card because I also just didn't realize the benefits of getting points and all that. So when it comes to having the mentality, oh, I'm going to have money. So I might as well just spend this now. There are some people close to me in my life, like some family members that have that mentality that I see not work for them. Yeah. It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. So, but I want to preface that it's very important to also have that energy of, oh, there's so much abundance out there. More is coming my way. But then doing it in a way that doesn't jeopardize your current financial reality, essentially. So I remember, yes, I would spend money on things that weren't a complete necessity. Like for example, I had an online magazine blog back then, back when I was 19 years old, first moving to London. I would like buy clothing and do a photo shoot in it and then go return it. (laughs) I couldn't afford to keep it, but I was in that energy wearing the clothing, which I don't really want to promote because as someone that also worked in retail when I was younger, that's like (laughs) a terrible thing when you don't want someone returning clothes they wore. But that's just the reality of what it was. You know, I tried to make things work with what I had and I would take, you know, public transport everywhere. Like I wasn't taking Uber Lux with $8 in my bank account, like that just couldn't happen. So I think there's really a fine line. It's a weird kind of gray area, but from a fundamental kind of baseline, do 
not overspend. It's not a financial abundant energy to be worried about money, mm-hmm. right? So never get to the point where you are overspending, but select the things that really do energize you and lift your vibration and kind of reframe them in your mind. When I first moved to London, I really valued healthy organic juice bar type of food, which is like too expensive for me to afford. But I started working part-time at a juice bar so I could eat all that stuff and I could feel healthy and radiant and, you know, feed my body the stuff that I really loved. Like I kind of always made things work Mm -hmm. and I was a hustler as well. And there was also this chunk of years when I was younger where I started gaining a following online, but I had no money. So I was living this kind of like double life where I was getting so many things for free, but not actually having any money in my bank account. And it was interesting because I was like embodying that energy of like wealthy Mimi, but not actually having that money. So it's kind of a funny thing. And I don't really have a perfect answer for you, but those are kind of the two polarities of that concept. And I don't think an extreme of either is good, but it's really about your energy as a baseline. It's not necessarily about what you physically do. So if you are doing those things with a high vibration energy of abundance and knowing that more is meant for you, then it's just as good, mm-hmm. even if you're taking public transport somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. And what I really meant there, though, is like when you invest in yourself or you are investing in something for the best version of yourself, there is this element of having faith that things are going to work out. So for you, yes, there was a hundred reasons why not having money and not having a savings and moving to London was probably a lot of people say that's not the best idea. Yes. Right. But you have this faith that you're going to buy that ticket to London and maybe you don't have the huge savings account, but you're going to figure it out. Yes. And I love that. And, you know, for me, I remember when I first started my platform, I was stay at home mom and I didn't want to say to my husband, oh, I want to invest in it. I wasn't really telling anyone what I was thinking. Right. But I did. I had my credit card and I bought B-School with Marie Forleo. And I was like, I don't know. I don't really have the money just sitting in my bank account to do this, but I know that this investment in myself Mm. is going to help me learn how to do this. And that helped me create this business now, right? You know, we're getting off topic, but I just even think like just the faith that you can do hard things and that things will work themselves out is just such a great energy to have. Yes. And just to know, you know, you can embody that person. 100%. Where you put your money reflects the values that you have in your life. Mm -hmm. And back then, Mimi, that I was, I was in a crappy little room sharing a flat with someone else. And I, you know, was paying basically nothing in front. But with that money that I had, I was reinvesting it in personal development. I was going to seminars. I was doing all those things. So I completely agree with you where you put your money reflects your values. For sure. I was listening to your stories once and you were talking about how you had like gone through your closet and decided that your closet and your clothing were going to represent the best version of you. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I love it. As I talk about this, I might have to say I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now. (laughs) That does not really represent my future self. I'm just getting over a cold and I've been in like cozy PJ mode and I don't usually podcast on this day, nor do I really get ready. So you're kind of seeing me not in my optimal cute style. I think you look great. Thank you. But just going back to the point here. Yeah. You know, you embodying your future self, your best self right now will show through how you speak, how you hold yourself how you dress, how you eat, what kind of friends you spend your attention and energy on, what you do with your day, whether you're procrastinating or not, how you keep your home clean or organized or not. You know, everything that you want to become, if you act like that person now, you'll get there faster. So I decided that my future self was wearing different clothing. For years, I really just had things in my closet from when I was a teenager, you know, the ripped up band tees and the short cut off jean shorts and sneakers that I wouldn't really wear that are not really my style or, you know, just clothing that didn't really feel like the Mimi that I was stepping into. And that Mimi that I am currently stepping into and currently being, she is elevated with her style. She is a tech entrepreneur CEO and that, you know, she wears clothing to represent that and she feels mature and she wears high quality pieces and she 
gets rid of a lot of the clothing that doesn't align with her or make her feel her best. So I'm in my office right now, but I have some extra clothing in the closet here that I'm trying to kind of decide whether or not I want to get rid of it. If I don't wear it within the next six months, I'm getting rid of it. And there is this like freeing energy about having a more lean closet with only these Mm. staples that you really love. Again, I'm saying this, I'm not 100% there yet. This is just what I've noticed. And, you know, it's kind of a process because you need to marinate with things a little bit. You know, I have some quite sentimental pieces that I don't know if I want to get rid of yet, but it's really just how you represent yourself and how you show up in the world and how you dress, what you wear is such a big part of that. How you speak is such a big part of that. I'm trying very hard to use the word like a bit less. Yeah. How are you doing that? Because I struggle with that. (laughs) I struggle with it too. It's such a habit. My other thing is that, you know, you know, I keep listening back to podcasts I do and I'm just like, like (laughs) I I say, you know, a lot. And I'm trying just to be a little bit more clear and concise with my speech And you'll even notice if you listen to some of my first podcast episodes, I sound completely different. I looked completely different. I sounded completely different. I spoke completely different. Everything was just different. And I think this work is really just more about becoming the true self and shedding off the layers like an onion of what you're not. And I feel closer to my inner child self than I ever have being this Mimi that I am today. So this work isn't about becoming something that you've never been. It's actually about unbecoming what you've never been. Mm -hmm. Did you have any backlash in your relationships when you were transforming yourself or going through this transformation? Friendships. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Even the first action that I took to embark on this new journey, I went to university in Canada for a semester and a half. In China? No, in Halifax. I went to Dalhousie for (laughs) your, yeah, really unaligned. But, you know, I love that part of me. You know, I just, I tried. I tried to go the traditional route. I'm pretty sure I got a scholarship or a part scholarship there because I actually did very well in school the last year. I didn't do well in school until my final year because I wanted to prove to a friend who said I wouldn't be able to get into one of the biggest universities in the country. I just had to prove it to her. You have got to be kidding me. I have literally the same story. No way. I did not do well (laughs) in high school up to, I remember in grade 11, this girl was walking in front of me. Her name was Amy and she was always super judgy of me. And we were walking out of a presentation for a university And I think I had said, oh, I would really like to go there. That seems like a good vibe. I really liked that. And she turned around and basically was like, you will never get into that. Like you need to have grades to get in. Just kind of shot it down. And I remember being like, you just wait. And since then I had like 80s and 90s and just tried, right? It's funny how that can, you just want to prove to someone that you're not what they think you are. And then you never even go to the school. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I never went. (laughs) That's so interesting. You have the same story. We're so similar then. It's that like anger of someone seeing you in a light that you don't want them to see you, I guess. And just like that pride potentially. But yeah, I had that too. So I did super well. And I went to that university and, you know, the first semester I drank a lot, partied a lot, did a lot of drugs and kind of did what I quote thought I was supposed to be doing as a university student. And then Later, like in the second semester, I just felt like absolute crap. My body has never reacted to drugs and alcohol very well. I get very hungover. I get very physically affected. You know, back then I would do cocaine and not be able to breathe out of my nose for two weeks after one night of doing it. Like my body was really rejecting this intense party girl side of me. So, you know, in that second semester, I decided to get healthy for more aesthetic reasons. I put on weight. I didn't feel good, decided to kind of cut out the partying for a few months. And then I got this clarity. And then that's when I kind of read that book and started this transformation. Around then, I decided not to go back to school, to go to London to pursue my online magazine career, big dream of making that happen. And there was this girl that lived right next to me in this dorm room. She was my next door neighbor. Her room was right next to mine. And we became quite good friends that first you know, semester. And she was a big party or two. And that was the commonality we had was getting fucked up. Mm-hmm. So when I let her know and this other girl that we were also friends with, I let them know that I'm going to move to London and 
start my online magazine, my blog and my social media stuff. And I'm going to really try to create something with my life. I always wanted to be like a talk show host of sorts or, you know, create some sort of success in the online space with my online magazine or a talk show. I was really interested in all of that. And young, naive, newfound ambition Mimi was telling these girls and they just started like making fun of me. And I remember a moment where my door was closed. It was kind of towards the end of the school year and I had stopped going to classes. I was ready just to leave and drop out and go to London. Her name was Steph. Her door right next to mine was open and she was with that other friend, Sam, and they were talking badly about me and they didn't know I was in my dorm room. So I could hear them. The walls were very thin. I could hear them making fun of me and mimicking me and making fun of of the fact that I really thought that I'd be able to like make it. And I just remember leaning against that wall, bawling my eyes out in my hands and thinking, I have no one right now. I feel like crap. I felt so alone. And I just had this fire inside of me just say, like something inside of me said, like, just wait, Mimi. Like this is nothing. They're going to be biting their tongues years from now. Just wait, like you got this. And I had this inner dialogue that, just kept creeping through the more that I leaned into it. It was like this intuition. It was just, this is the beginning of your story. Mm -hmm. You have to use this as fuel. They probably follow you still online. (laughs) I have, I doubt it. Honestly, I really doubt it. They were quite mean. (laughs) They definitely know where I am. I think. Yeah. Whatever. Ego can thrive off of that fact, but I really deeply don't care. You know, I wish them well. They were obviously not happy themselves and they had some issues, both of them. So that being said, I heard it and I just kind of had this fire inside of me come out and I decided to go on a run and let out that energy and their door was open. They were like packing up or something. And I remember the look on their faces when I opened the door, looked at them, walked by. And I don't think I even said anything. And they were just like shocked. They knew I had heard everything. They were bullies. They were mean, mean, mean girls. They were saying terrible things about me. And I just left and I slammed the door and I just walked away and I ran so long, crying, running in this random place in Halifax that I barely even knew. And I just was so ready for a change. And there are two or three people that I speak to from when I was in Halifax, when I was at that stage in in my life in university. And I'm so grateful for those friendships because they were really the only ones I had back then. And Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to happen. There was something inside of me that just knew. Yeah. And it's good to be okay with that too, right? To know that as you go through these different phases and becoming who you're supposed to be or who you want to be, people are going to be on different paths themselves. And it can be so scary to feel like, oh, I'm going to lose those friendships or, you know, what will they say if I say stop drinking or if I, you know, make this change in my life. But people are in your life for different seasons for different reasons. And to hold back that change in yourself because you fear being alone, I don't think it's doing anyone any justice, really. Yeah, a lot of loneliness at those beginning years before I had ever even had a romantic relationship. I think going through those years of being lonely were so important for my growth. And then six years ago, almost, I met Ben, my first boyfriend and now fiance, and he's been a great companion. But honestly, since then, like I have not hung out with anyone toxic or rude or weird vibes. Like I have not even associated myself with anyone like that in years. So I really don't even remember what it's like. Mm-hmm. I just repel people like that because I just wouldn't put up with it. Mm-hmm. You have to have this standard. It's all about standards, right? a standard for the type of person you allow into your space. I'd rather be alone than with people that are bad at energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to have standards for what you do in your day, for how you treat yourself, for how you prioritize yourself and just respect yourself enough to not allow anything that is below that. Mm-hmm. I love that. The last question for you, you talked about how you've used personal growth and visualization and all of that to work on, you know, your image with yourself, image with your body, your health. Can you share a little bit about what that looks like for you? Because I know a lot of women really struggle with that to this day, right? And I think we're all kind of looking Mm -hmm. for tips on feeling like the type of person we want to be. And some of that comes with health, what we're eating, our habits and all of that. So what's that like Mm -hmm. for you and in your life? My self-image and to preface this, 
everything that I do, all of my work, everything that I teach, preach, and am a student to is self-image psychology work. Dr. Maxwell Maltz was really one of the first people in the 50s to start talking about this concept that your self-image creates your life and how you see yourself, perceive yourself, what you believe and everything that you have as a self-image, it dictates your future. That is my number one core belief. And throughout this work and the years I've gone doing this work, I've really created a strong self-image for myself that has been reflected through everything I've been able to create. And this self-image for me currently today is I'm a healthy person. I have not and will not ever anymore obsess over my body image and food like I used to. That was a big thing for me. I had bad disordered eating, like I mentioned, and terrible body image issues. And honestly, for years and years, I haven't had that anymore. So this is continuing to stay relevant to my new belief system from a handful of years ago is I eat intuitively. I never obsess about food. I just eat when I'm hungry and I love food and I love to nourish myself, but I don't obsess over it. And I love to move my body because it makes me feel good and healthy and strong. And I want to live a long time. When it comes to my finances and my career, my self-image is that I'm a successful entrepreneur and I am creating an incredible business that helps millions of people. And I am doing something very unique and I'm creative and I'm smart and I'm really good at doing things like this. And I am a writer as well. I'm writing my first book right now. This was a new self-image that I had to adopt probably six months ago when I started writing it. I'm an author and that's a new one. When it comes to finances too, I have a standard and a set point with how much I need to have at all times in the bank account. I feel uncomfortable if it goes below that. And I'm working on even expanding that number to be higher and to raise my energetic vibration to match with that so that I can get to the next level. When it comes to my relationships with Ben, my fiance, and you know everything to do with romantic relationships, we have an incredible, beautiful relationship. And my self-image with this relationship is that I'm the kind of person that has a deeply fulfilling movie moment-like relationship. And we're always in the honeymoon phase. That's really just what I want. And of course, there are highs and lows, but that's a belief of mine that that as a standard is we're just so in love and happy. And another self-image belief is if I get rejection or failure with my business or with anything in my life, it is simply just a sign that that road, that direction was not meant for me. And I actually have peace in that. So if I get a no with work or business, or I'm working on something that doesn't work out and I get a rejection or a big failure or something doesn't stick, then I just see that as a learning lesson and I move on. I don't see no as failure, I see no as next and I just move on. That is so good. Yeah. That's pretty much all I can think of with my family and my friends and stuff. Same thing. I have high quality relationships and I'm loving and generous. That's kind of my self image around that. And I'm also not perfect. (laughs) So just to kind of end it off this way, this is all my ideal self image, but things happen. I'm human. We're all human. And I'm also okay with not being perfect. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that'd be really good for everyone listening to just take some time in the next couple of days to like grab a piece of paper, grab your journal and be like, what is your self image? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I don't think we do enough of that pre-work on the type of person that we want to be or how we want to show up. And you just go through your day and it's so easy to get hijacked or to get distracted or to get caught up in these bad habits that aren't aligned with who we really want to be. But if we haven't decided who we really want to be, if we haven't taken that time to really like map that out, then that's how we get derailed. No, absolutely. Clarity is everything. Mm -hmm. Clarity is the first step to getting to the next level and becoming is the second step. Mm -hmm. Clarity on what you want and then becoming the kind of person that has it. So good. Okay. Superhuman app. Let's talk about this. Guys, I have been struggling with meditation because sometimes I feel like I have so much going on in my head. And so many things I want to do that sitting down feels not productive. I just haven't managed to get to that headspace where I can just sit sometimes. And sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. But what I love about the superhuman app is that I can meditate 
while I'm doing something, while I'm walking, while I'm cleaning, the cleaning meditations, the chilling meditations. I'm just so grateful that you created this. So tell us about your app. It's unreal. Oh, thank you so much. Gosh, it's been a huge project and we're really, really proud of everything that has gone into it. There are over 500 different meditations for every moment of the day from walking meditations to cleaning, cooking, getting ready in the morning, sleeping, legs up wall for lymphatic drainage, background meditations you can listen to whenever, wherever. And really the thing that makes us different is that we are so much more energizing and state changing as opposed to more of a traditional meditation that you kind of close your eyes, sit down, think about nothing and clear your mind. Ours are very much so visualization led and guided to help you step into that future self. It's very specifically designed to help you become this next level version of yourself. Mm -hmm. None of our meditations are really designed to help you clear your mind and think about nothing. They're all very motivational and it's kind of like your daily motivational coach in your pocket. Mm -hmm. And we're constantly coming up with new categories, new content. We upload three to five new meditations per week. We actually also have a motherhood meditation category where we have Dr. Mallory. She's a contributor of ours. She's incredible. She's a mom and just a very soulful, beautiful woman. And she is the narrator for those. And they're just so beautiful and heart opening Mm -hmm. and they just change your state. I was literally just thinking that in my head that when I feel like I'm off or I'm easily triggered or I'm just feeling distracted and not showing up the way that I want to show up, I always just put one of these on. And what I love is that I don't have to stop what I'm doing to do it, right? So I can do it while I'm working or I can do it while I'm cleaning or, you know, getting the kids dinner or something. It's like these short little pep talks, right? Yes. And it really is just a reminder that we can control our energy and how we show up. Mm -hmm. And it's so effective. So I'm so grateful that you put it out into the world. I'm sure it's a beautiful app. I'm sure it's a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into that baby. Yes. It's so good. Thank you so much. We're actually releasing a big new update in the next month or so. Mm-hmm. We're really excited about that. Everything is just constantly improving with it. It's a really life-changing app. We've had tens and tens of thousands of women use it and just completely transform. It's not just for women, but most of our audience is women-based at the moment. And it's just such a fulfilling thing to have created. So I'm very grateful. And there's a two-week free trial if anyone wants to try it out. Yes. The two week free trial. My husband was like, are you going to take your headphones off? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's like, I'm just oh, getting so stuff sweet. done. And I listen to so many of them. So yeah, that's really sweet. definitely check it out. I highly recommend, yes. but I'm grateful for the app. I'm grateful that you took the time to share your story with us. And I will link all things Mimi for everyone. And I look forward to your book. Thanks, Jamie. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode and know someone that it would resonate with, do me a favor and send it their way. And if you haven't already, head on over to iTunes and give the show a rating and a review. I am so passionate about opening up the conversation about blended family life and debunking the stigma that comes with being a stepmom. And you sharing this podcast helps me do just that. Now, if you're craving more podcast episodes and interviews, would like to connect with me and get access to workshops like how to disengage the right way, how to improve your relationship with your stepkids, how to talk to your partner about your stepfamily stress without causing a bigger fight and more, you have to check out my membership, the Kick-Ass Stepmom Community. Not only will this community give you access to strategies and tips to improve your stepfamily life, you can connect with me and stepmoms from over 30 countries around the world in our private chat and our live Q&As. Head to www.kickassstepmom.com to join.